Hola, and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas llavitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 67, we'll be talking about da -da -da -da, Spanish diacritical marks. We'll also be talking about Chile's national holidays, and it's going to be great. So let's begin. So what are diacritical marks, you may ask? Put simply, that's the fancy slash official term for any marking on letters that changes one of two things. First, how the word is pronounced, thereby changing its meaning, or simply showing that the word is pronounced differently than you might expect based on the language's general pronunciation rules. Or it changes, second, the word's meaning, even though it doesn't change how the word is pronounced. So it's either a pronunciation marker or it's a meaning marker. But again, if it changes the pronunciation, it can change how the word or what the word means. So a great example of these, of both of these actually, is from episode 53, where we talked about the different ways you can write esta. Now, written with no accent marks, esta is a demonstrative adjective or adjetivo demonstrativo i.e. the feminine form of this, such as quiero esta galleta, I want this cookie. Quiero esta galleta, I want this cookie. Now, you pronounce it how you would generally pronounce a Spanish word ending in a vowel, n, or s, with the stress on the second to last syllable, or esta. And if you're curious, for all other scenarios, you would generally have the stress on the last syllable, like with la capital, the capital city, or La capital. If, however, you add an accent mark to esta on the A, now the word is the third person conjugation of the verb estar or esta. The stress is on the last syllable, so it is pronounced esta. See how the accent mark here changes the pronunciation of the word and thereby changes the meaning. Now, if instead of adding the accent mark on the A, you add it to the E, esta, then the word is pronounced just the same as esta without an accent mark, but its meaning still changes. It's now a demonstrative pronoun or un pronombre demonstrativo, such as, no, esta no es la foto que quería. No, this is not the photo that I wanted. No, esta no es la foto que quería. No, this is not the photo that I wanted. In Spanish, there are three different types of diacritical marks, or los diacriticos, or you could say los signos diacriticos, or as they say in Spain, las tildes diacriticas. There's the accent marks, the tilde, and the umlaut. Now, the tilde, or la tilde, is what you call the squiggly line above the N in the letter ña. So, N or ña. Now, this is an important distinction because, for example, in the word año, you have ñ, so the N with the tilde. El año is the same as year in English, but if you take away that tilde, then it's el ano, which is anus. So, please be careful because that would be a very embarrassing mistake to make. The umlaut 
is two dots that are placed over the letter U, sometimes between a GE and a GI. So this changes the pronunciation of GU to a GW sound, such as in El Pinguino or Penguin. So you'll notice in El Pinguino, we say gua, El Pinguino. It's not El Pinguino, but El Pinguino. And that's what that umlaut is there to show. This mark is a bit rare. I'm always slightly surprised whenever I see it. Lastly, we have the other diacritical marks, the accent marks, which are all over in Spanish, right? We've all seen them. And these are also, a little confusingly, called las tildes. But if you wanted to avoid confusion, you could refer to them as los acentos ortográficos. And if you want to be even more specific, the type of accent mark that Spanish uses is called the accento agudo, or acute accent. Truly though, you only need to know something that detailed if you're studying a language like French, which has five accent marks, including the acute accent, which is the accent mark that you see in Spanish, right? It starts low on the left and goes up as you go to the right. And its opposite accent is the grave accent, or el accento grave, where the mark starts high on the left and then goes diagonally lower to the right. But again, that's for a language like French. In Spanish, they only use the acute accent on their five vowels, a, e, i, o, and u. So let's look at two major examples of how the accent mark changes a word's meaning, but not the pronunciation. You've probably seen these examples before, but wondered why the accent mark was there, or maybe why it wasn't. And that's in como and mas. So in como, with and without an accent mark, again, the word is pronounced the same. But to put it simply, como without the accent mark is the same as saying as, since, or however, or even like. But como with the accent mark is how. So let's talk about a few examples to kind of further demonstrate this. In regards to the first como, so como, but without an accent mark. Corre tan rápido como un guepardo. He runs as fast as a cheetah. So this is a good example of how the umlaut is not always required. Un guepardo is pronounced guepardo, not guepardo. Entonces, corre tan rápido como un guepardo. He runs as fast as a cheetah. Como decías, no entienden. As you were saying, they don't understand. Como decías, no entienden. As you were saying, they don't understand. Or if you're in Spain, you'd say, Como decías, no entienden. Como teníamos hambre, nos fuimos a casa. Since we were hungry, we went home. Como teníamos hambre, nos fuimos a casa. Since we were hungry, we went home. Pinta la habitación como te guste. Paint the room however you like it. Pinta la habitación como te guste. Paint the room however you like it. Ella es como una hermosa flor. She is like a beautiful flower. Ella es como una hermosa flor. She is like a beautiful flower. Now, if you were to add an accent over the O, it would be como, as in how. 
So here are some examples to show you what I mean by that. Como baila? You, the formal you, dance so well. But literally, it's how you dance, which is just how they express it in Spanish. I love it. How you dance is really, you dance so well. Como baila? You dance so well. Como baila? Como estás? How are you? The informal you. Como estás? Como se hace un rollo de canela? How do you make a cinnamon roll? No, in this sense, it's se hace, or the general usage form of the verb, rather than haces, you make. Como se hace un rollo de canela? How do you make a cinnamon roll? Now, one last thing. Como can also be the first person conjugation of the verb comer, or I eat. That's why there's a fun little phrase in Spanish, como, 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 which means how do I eat? I eat like I eat. And if you want to do a deep dive into all the meanings of como, check out the link in the show notes to Spanish Dictionary's page. Now, mas versus mas. So very simply put, mas without an accent mark is an archaic version of pero, right? But, whereas mas with the accent mark is the same as more or most or even a plus in mathematics, right? Plus. So for the first one, you will generally only see it in writing. Mass without an accent mark is really something you don't hear at all. It's, it's really something you only see in literature. It's not something you would hear in everyday speech, not generally. And here are some examples of how to use it. Me ofreció una Coca-Cola, mas me negué a tomarla. He offered me a Coke, but I refused to take it. Me ofreció una Coca-Cola, mas me negué a tomarla. Quería ver el amanecer, mas accidentalmente se levantó tarde. She wanted to see the sunrise, but accidentally slept in. Quería ver el amanecer, mas accidentalmente se levantó tarde. She wanted to see the sunrise, but accidentally slept in. El héroe luchó valientemente, mas finalmente fue vencido. The hero fought valiantly, but ultimately was vanquished. El héroe luchó valientemente, mas finalmente fue vencido. The hero fought valiantly, but ultimately was vanquished. In Old Spanish, mas without the accent mark could also mean sino, but the difference between those two different words for but, sino and pero, is for a different episode. Lastly, here are some examples of how we use más with an accent mark. So, me gustaría más helado. I would like more ice cream. Me gustaría más helado. I would like more ice cream. Always. Él es más guapo que Juan. He is more handsome than John. Él es más guapo que Juan. He is more handsome than John. Dos más tres son cinco. Two plus three is five. Dos más tres son cinco. Two plus three is five. ¿Cuál es el idioma más difícil de aprender? What is the hardest language to learn? Or, more literally, which is the hardest language to learn? ¿Cuál es el idioma más difícil de aprender? What is the hardest language to learn? 
El perro pesa más de 50 libras. The dog weighs more than 50 pounds. El perro pesa más de 50 libras. The dog weighs more than 50 pounds. ¿Qué tipo de madera dura más? Which type of wood lasts longer? ¿Qué tipo de madera dura más? Which type of wood lasts longer? If you would like to do a deeper dive into the different definitions of más with the accent mark, then check out the articles in the show notes by Thoughtco and Diccionario de Dudas. So let's begin our cultural tip, our second one for Chile. Now, this section does contain one affiliate link to Amazon, and this means that at no additional cost to you, I receive a percentage of any purchase made via, via my link. Now, I only recommend items this way that I have personally enjoyed using. You can see my disclosure policy in the link in the show notes. Now, let's first talk about global national holidays. So our cultural tip today highlights the national holidays of Chile. But to save on time and to avoid extreme, extreme repetitiveness, here's a quick list of holidays that many other countries also celebrate and or which we have covered in other episodes. So I won't get into too much detail for these ones. So there's New Year's Day, which is always January 1st. There's Good Friday, which this year will be April 15th, as it's always the Friday before Easter. And then there's Holy Saturday, which is April 16th, or Sábado Santo. And this is, of course, always the Saturday before Easter. I don't know that we've talked about this one, but Holy Saturday is part of the Easter tradition in Catholic and Protestant churches, and some know it as the descent into hell, or the day that Jesus descended into hell in victory over it. Now, others will celebrate it with the Pascal Vigil, or uh, I hope I said that right. It's the Easter Vigil in commemoration of the vigil that Jesus' followers held for his crucifixion and in celebration of his resurrection. Then there's Labor Day, which is always May 1st, or Dia del Trabajador. There's Mother's Day and Father's Day, which both, you know, neither are a public holiday. But Mother's Day is the second Sunday in May. And Father's Day is the third Sunday in June. Then there's St. Peter and St. Paul Day, which is June 29th. Although, quite frankly, for Chile, it looks like it's often the Monday closest to that date, but not always, as in 2023, it's going to be on a Wednesday. Now, this day is known as San Pedro y San Pablo. And if you want more information on this particular holiday, please check out episode 46. There's Assumption Day, August 15th or Asuncion de la Virgen. This is another important Catholic holiday that I'm really not sure we've talked about either. It's Assumption Day, which is the remembrance of Mary's death, or rather, the day she was taken to heaven and reunited with her son, Jesus. The Catholic Church teaches that Mary did not die, but rather left this life by being assumed or taken up to heaven. In full transparency, I am a Protestant Christian and do not believe that this doctrine is true. Now, there's Reformation Day, or Día Nacional de las Iglesias Evangélicas y Protestantes. This takes place on October 31st, but in Chile, it might be moved to Friday instead, as Chile made this an official holiday in 2008. 
And again, this is another holiday we haven't really talked about. So it celebrates the day Martin Luther, a German monk, nailed his 95 theses to the church door on October 31st in 1517. He hoped that the packed church on the following day, All Saints Day, would lead to the resolution of the 95 issues he had, he had with the Catholic Church, or at the very least, more discussion on them. Instead, he sparked the religious revolution known as the Reformation, ultimately resulting in the Protestant denominations that we have today. To celebrate Reformation Day, I personally enjoy watching the 2003 movie, Luther. And you can find my affiliate link to that on Amazon in the show notes. Now, All Saints Day is the next day, so it's November 1st, or Dia de Todos los Santos, also known as All Hallows Day. There's the Immaculate Conception, December 8th, and it's known as La Inmaculada Concepción. And if you want more information on that holiday, please see episode 60. And finally, there's Christmas Day, which is always December 25th. Now on to the unique national holidays, and I found five for Chile. The first is the Day of the Glories of the Chilean Navy, or just Dia de las Glorias Navales, and this always takes place on May 21st. This day commemorates the Battle of Iquique, I hope I said that right, that occurred on May 21st in 1879 during Chile and Peru's War of the Pacific. The battle was fought between two Chilean ships who blockaded the Chilean city of Iquique that had fallen under Peru's control, and two Peruvian, more modern vessels that had been sent to break their blockade. While Chile lost this battle, the courage and heroic death of Captain Arturo Prat inspired many Chileans to join the Navy and might possibly have contributed to Chile's overall victory in the war. To celebrate this day, there's a parade and speeches and many businesses are closed. It's also when Parliament begins and the Chilean president gives his annual State of the Nation address. The next one is Our Lady of Mount Carmel, which always takes place on July 16th. The interesting thing about this holiday is that it replaces Corpus Christi, which is mainly a Roman Catholic holiday that celebrates the Eucharist. The Chilean Catholic Church pushed for this change, which was legally made law at the end of 2006. So the holiday celebrates the Virgin Mary, who is the patron saint of Chile. Now, where does Mount Carmel come from? It's a mountain in northern Israel where the Catholic religious order, the Carmelites, was founded in the 12th century. Our Lady of Mount Carmel became the patron saint of Chile during their struggle for independence from Spain. In December of 1811, Generals Carrera and O'Higgins asked the Santiago vicar, vicar to give a mass for their success. Within his cathedral was an important statue, that of Our Lady of Carmel. It was in her right hand that General José de San Martín placed his baton and declared her the patron saint of the Army of the Andes. General Higgins did something similar, declaring her the patroness and general of the Chilean army the night before the Battle of Chabuco. Later, when the Spaniards were coming to Santiago in 1818, the locals went to the cathedral to ask Mary for protection. In exchange, they promised to build a church in her honor, a promise that they kept at the end of the year. Then, in 1923, the Vatican acquiesced to the Chilean bishops and made the Virgin of Carmel the patron saint of Chile. Now, the third one is Independence Day, or Dia de la Independencia, and this takes place on September 18th. 
Now, while we've discussed various aspects of Latin America's struggle for independence from the Spanish, you can check out episodes 46, 55, 56, 58, 59, and 60, so many, we actually covered Chile's personal struggle for independence in one of 2021's special episodes, episode 58, where we did a deeper dive into Chile's Fiestas Patrias. So we'll only do a brief summary here, but you should definitely check that episode out. The celebrations tend to be week-long, and along with Christmas are the most important celebratory times of the year. Essentially, Chile declared itself independent from Spain on September 18, 1810, but it wasn't until after eight years of fighting that they officially gained their independence on February 12, 1818. Surprisingly, though, the last Spanish troops didn't leave until 1826, when some holdouts on a remote island finally surrendered. Number four is the Day of the Glories of the Chilean Army, or Dia de las Glorias del Ejército. This takes place on September 19th, and it's basically the end to the Independence Day, or should I say Independence Week, celebration. There's the Great Military Parade of Chile, and the day is meant to remember those who have fought for Chile. Lastly, we have Race Day, or Encuentro de Dos Mundos, which takes place on October 12th. Now, I love the translation of this day, which is the meeting of two worlds, el encuentro de dos mundos. Basically, this is Chile's version of Columbus Day, or Race Day, and it celebrates the first contacts between Europeans and Native Americans. While technically there are many countries that celebrate this day, and we've already talked about it, I think Chile's approach via the name is unique enough to warrant its inclusion on this list. El Encuentro de Dos Mundos. I love it. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources used for this episode. And if you did hear any background noise, I apologize. We have just moved in the past couple of months and I'm still working on figuring out that perfect office setup. If you would prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the episode's blog and I would love to help you on your Spanish journey. So if you have any questions about today's episode or even just on Spanish culture or grammar, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com. That's contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information at www.languageanswers.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave me a positive review. Or if you have questions or things that you think could be done better, please send me your feedback. I would love to hear from you. I can also be contacted regarding my services for Spanish to English translation, technical writing, editing, and content creation, or even language consultations and tutoring for you or your business. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey. Aprovechalo, disfrútalo y compártelo. See you in two weeks. Hasta luego!